from KQED. This week, because Halloween is fast approaching, we want you to call our hotline and tell us, have you ever had a paranormal experience? Call 415-553-2850, leave us a message with your story, and you might hear your voice on our next episode. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Carly. And I'm Jamitra. And we're the hosts of The The Cooler. Cooler. If you've said something you regret online, luckily claiming your account was hacked is still a way to get out of it. But how is this still a thing? There's a lot of sad stuff going on in the world right now, so what better time to ask, what is the saddest song in the world? Technology thinks it has the answer. Hmm. And speaking of sad songs, open up your notes app because we are going to review all the lessons learned from the Grande Davidson split. You ready? Too Mm. soon. Too soon. (laughs) Y'all don't need reminding, but I'm going to remind you anyway. There's a lot of sad stuff going on in the world. I kind of noticed that. That's why I have this box of Kleenex right here. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what it's for. Keep it there. Global warming is planning to kill us all by 2040. So soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So enjoy every moment, guys. The Supreme Court's a hot mess. We know that. And we're never going to get a second season of My So-Called Life. <laughs> oh, I like the parity that is given to all three of those Dagger things. in my heart. Equally tragic. Jordan. Oh, Jordan Catalano. Jordan Catalano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that we're now dwelling on that rather than climate change, which will murder us all in a matter of years. See how easily distracted we are? Well, the apocalypse is the only thing that can incinerate our love for Jordan Catalano. True. So it's all connected. Thankfully, there are a lot of sad songs out there for our wallowing needs. But which one is the saddest? Mm. Mm. Well, thanks to the Brainiacs over at Spotify, we're a little closer to finding out. They have created this algorithm that allegedly susses out the emotion out of specific songs. Hmm. So they use this algorithm to create those mood playlists that they keep recommending to you. Mm, I like those. You've listened to some. I've clicked on the ones that are like, chill vibes. I'm like, I want to feel chill. Mm -hmm. And I usually do because of this algorithm. They know you. Yeah. The machine does. Mm. In an ideal future, this kind of technology might be able to help people with mental health issues in therapy. You know, if you need to be mm. in a better mood, I don't I like know. that application. Yeah. Mm. Or probably more realistically, in a dystopian future, this technology will be used against us to manipulate us and our moods and make us do things we don't want to do. Oh, Taylor Swift already does that with her music, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about lazy people who want sex playlists. <laughs> like, frankly, just hit a button and hope that, you know, Shaggy doesn't come on. <laughs> Why bother with any other song that isn't Red Light Special by TLC? Pretty much, That's the one that gets you in the mood. Data scientists are having a field day with this new Spotify tool. For instance, one of them used all this data to create a gloom index of Radiohead songs to find which one is the saddest. (laughs) Wow. They all sound sad, but this one is the ultimate. It's called True Love Waits. This is the one where Tom York screams, Don't leave. Don't leave. Jesus. Already. Yes. I just (laughs) lost all will to do anything, including live. It's that sad. I really can't stand Radiohead. (laughs) Did he record that at a show that you were at and you were leaving? And he was like, Carly, don't Don't leave. Just stay. And I was like, Tom, I got places to be. Yeah. Another data scientist from the BBC 
tested all the songs that hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 since the chart's inception in 1958. Mm? And the saddest one she found is The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face by Roberta Flack. First time ever I saw Yeah, depressed already. Well, thanks for that. I don't know. I'm like not that sad about that song when I listen to the whole thing. It's slow and it's down tempo. But is it sad? I mean, it's romantic. I'm biased because I always remember it being used at the very end of that HBO miniseries, The Night Of, Mm. with my boyfriend Riz Ahmed, if anyone's seen that. (laughs) And it is just devastating so I don't care if it's a love song it just messes me up I think it's about the associations you make with the song so you associate that song with that show which Sad obviously Riz, was yeah. pretty depressing <laughs> and I associate that song with a haunting ghost that she's singing about <laughs> that she's in love with so sad yes. just the season of Halloween <laughs> and you touch on an interesting point because technology is advanced but it can't really use data to decide whether a song will make us feel something based on nostalgia, Mm. our personal memories, Mm -mm -mm -mm. cultural context. Mm -hmm. And Spotify's data alchemist, his real job title, Glenn McDonald, gets this. He understands there's a limitation to his algorithm, and he compared the limitations to whether an airplane can go sightseeing. Spoiler, it can't. You know, it can be up there, but can it look around and take it in? Cannot. There are limitations. And that's sad in itself. (laughs) (laughs) So to further illustrate that, you know, this algorithm doesn't get it completely right. The first song that came to my mind as being the saddest, Holland 1945, it is by New Hotel. It is very high energy, very intense sonically. Hmm. Its score on this sad meter is non-existent Hmm. because of all the instrumentation. But let's take a listen to the lyrics, which are important when analyzing whether a song is sad. The lyrics are about Anne Frank. Dying and being reincarnated. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, is the reincarnation piece a happy ending or? I mean, sure. <laughs> Let's take a listen. So if you don't hear the lyrics, you're in the club, you're like, yes, this is the jam. It's and then a you're bouncy like, bop. What did he just say? 1945? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wait, that sounds like the Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. And now I want to go cry and mm. just go home. Yeah. Oh, so the algorithm would not put that on a sad playlist. Slip but it net. should be there. I'm saying. So obviously I have like personal affiliations with that song. I remember right. where I was when I heard it first time. I was on mushrooms. <gasps> uh, whatever. College is a crazy time for it's everyone. in a delicious risotto, I think. You yes, that's say. what I meant. Porcini, delicious. Uh, yes, exactly. Like a little truffle oil. Mm. Yes, whatever. You know, that song, to you guys, sounds sad when you listen to the lyrics, but for me, it has this added layer. And music psychologists have a name for this phenomenon of music forever being imbued with whatever yeah. we've gone through in our lives in the first time we heard it. And they call it the darling, they're playing our tune theory. Oh, oh okay. So, my question to you is, what is your darling, they're playing our sad-ass tune? Ooh. So my song is Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, oh yes. God. Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? 
And I think it's so sad because it just reminds me of our mortality for some reason. Jesus! Like, and she talks about children getting older, and then I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to die one day, and my kids are... Like, it's a whole thing for me. I get super emotional. Anytime I'm in the car and I hear it, I'm going to cry. I'm getting older, too. I can't. What's the saddest song in your opinion, Carly? I didn't even need to think about this. It's Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Gut punch. From the first notes, I'm done. It's been seven hours and 15 days Since you took your love away Oh, even just thinking about it. I have ill-advisedly performed this song in public at karaoke twice. Is there video? Twice. Is there video? I, I to... actually is. <laughs> you will not ever be seeing it. And I have cried on stage twice doing it. It is too much. And in that video, you can see the entire crowd throwing up their hands in the air and being like, you just ruined my Friday night. <laughs> Jeez. I, I don't want to think about this. Don't bring that song to the club. Nobody's happy after that. Mm-mm. But it's wonderful at the same time. So in our last episode, we asked, what's your saddest song, audience? Caller hotline. That we did. And some people did. Mm. And one unintended benefit of having our own hotline now is that friends of ours might, you know, call really <laughs> drunk at night, like our number one fan, Mia, did a few days ago. Hi, Mia. Let's listen to what she has to say. It's so hard to pick the saddest song ever made. But initially, my first thought, it goes to No Need to Argue by the Cranberries. There's really nothing much to say. Listen to that song. Oh, my God, I cannot do this. I'll try again. I love you guys. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Is is that the sound of her crying? I want what she's having, whatever she's drinking. Gin tears, that's Mm. what she's drinking. Let's listen to The Cranberries. Do not listen to this song after wow. the breakup. Do not. <laughs> Do not. Bonus points for the little funeral organ just in the Jeez. background there, mm-hmm. just chilling out. Don't underestimate it. It will F you up. I'm never listening to that again. Mm-hmm. First and last. Another song you probably will never listen to again comes from another listener who called in and shared this very sobering pick. Hello, my name's Jason. I'm submitting what I believe is the saddest song. It is The Shortest Story by Harry Chapin. It was written to protest world hunger, and is from the point of view of a 20-day-old baby who is starved to death. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard that. Well, you're about to hear it. I open my mouth, but I am too weak to cry. Why is there nothing now to do but die? Okay. Is it me or does this sound like a score from Lion King or like a Disney... Phantom of the Opera. Right? It's like, yeah. In fairness to Jason, Whoa. we were literally asking for this. Yes. We did. We put it out there and he delivered. I'd say Jason gets like a hundred sincerity points. Mm. Speaking of dead babies. Christ. Ooh, <laughs> that was a pivot. An Instagram user by the enviable name of at gay Kate Moss. Okay. Super. Submitted a song by Joanna Newsom called... Baby Birch. Oh, I knew it was going to be this one. And for those who don't know, this song is over nine minutes. It is Joanna singing to a dearly departed baby. I usually skip it when I'm listening to her album because oh, same, it is same. too real. I've gone my entire life skipping it and it appears I've <laughs> you never started run out of 
run out of the ability to avoid it. So <laughs> here we are. Yeah. This is the song for baby birds. Oh, I will never know you. Those are literally the first two lines. It gets so much worse, but I wanted to spare you, you know? <sighs> That's heavy. It is beautiful art, a little too severe for me on most days. Hey, provokes a reaction. So after listening to all these sad songs, you might think that listening to sad songs makes you sadder. But science says otherwise. Oh, do tell. A research team at the Free University of Berlin did some brain scans on people listening to sad music. And what they found was that there are parts of the brain that were activated while listening to sad music that are only really active when you're resting. So their Hmm. hypothesis is a sad song will make you tune out the world in a good way, Hmm. go inward in a good way, and that sad music helps us mind wander when we need to. Interesting. Kind of lulls you into some kind of sense. Yeah. False security? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, you're just like, it can't get any worse. So (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's it. Another research team out of a university in Finland that I can't pronounce and I'm not going to try The A's with the two dots on it? I don't know. I respect that. There's J's and F's? I don't know. This research team found that people who love sad music are most likely to be more empathetic than the regular type of person and are open to new experiences. So if you're the kind of person who loves to blast some sad music, it means you're just better than all of us. Oh, confession time. I do love some sad music. And my husband is like, what is wrong? (laughs) What is wrong with you? Same as if you see me blasting around the Bay Area listening to Tim Buckley. You know what I'm doing. I'm just growing my brain. Exactly. So what we've learned here, obviously, is sad music can be a catharsis. It can be a mode of therapy, Mm. if you will. It can be a way to release sadness Mm. or just be comfortable with it. Because I think in these times, in these dark times we're in, it is a mistake to pretend that sad things don't exist. Exactly. And I think it's important and healthy to... Feel the full range of our emotions, not numb the pain all the time and pretend that everything's hunky-dory. Sometimes I like to play a happy bop when I see tragedy all over Twitter in the news. And there is a time and place for that. But there's also a time and place to be in your feelings and allow your heart to take you where it needs to go. Wallow away. Mm. Yeah. So with that in mind, let's scoot on out of this segment with a few wise words from Licky Lee. Sadness is a blessing. Because a lot has happened recently, I would like us to just pause and rewind a little and return to a bizarre story of the last couple of weeks that you guys may remember as the Him to Navy Mum debacle. Oh, are we going to do this today? We are. Okay. <laughs> Aside from the fact that Him too is the worst hashtag when he too so clearly available. So a woman named Marla Reynolds tweets a photo of her son, Peter, spelt the Dutch way with an I, in a sailor uniform. And her tweet begins, this is my son and continues. He's a gentleman who respects women. He won't go on solo dates due to the current climate of false sexual accusations by radical feminists with an axe to grind. I vote. Hashtag him too. Um, What? (laughs) 
right? Remember that one? Mm. So unfortunately for Marla, two things then happened. Not only does the internet swing into action by posting memes, parodying her This Is My Son tweet. You guys have seen these pictures of Norman Bates, pictures of Mike (laughs) Pence. But then her other son, John, comes forward, the one who's not in a sailor uniform, saying that not only has she made this entire thing up, but apparently Marla Reynolds was also claiming that her Twitter account was hacked and that she never typed those words in the tweet. Likely story. Mm. And he said she was claiming she was going to call the police about it. Oh, well, you know, the police is just, yeah. So in a later statement, this woman, Marla Reynolds, said she had learned a valuable lesson about the Internet and hopes to move on with the great relationship we've always had as a family. Essentially, she's all but admitting that the hacking claim was absolute poppycock. Mm. (laughs) This was her first week on Twitter, apparently. (laughs) Did not go well. But she did go viral. So that's what Twitter's for, I guess, making a fool of yourself. In an age where we're all supposedly way more tech aware, how is brazenly claiming my account was hacked to allegedly, allegedly conceal your own misdeeds still a thing? Why are Mm. people still trying this? It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Oops, my hacker did Mm. it again. Exactly. But, like, hacking is real. It's really horrible when it happens. Remember Drake got hacked in 2016 because he was using the same password for his Twitter and his MySpace? (laughs) Kanye better watch out because his password is 0000, as we saw from the Oval Office footage. And Mm. this Drake hacker tweets links to his own personal accounts. He's like, yes, I finally have a big audience. That's what you do when you're hacking someone. Why have we all just sat back and we're like, oh, well, you know, hacker's gonna hack. That was a line that Taylor Swift took out of Shake It Off. Mm. Hacker's gonna hack, 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 hack. You know, it didn't really flow. She should have brought this to our attention, I think. She should have spoke sooner. What took you so long, Taylor? Come on. (laughs) When you say, my account got hacked, who jumps into your mind? Who? Ted Cruz, senator from Texas. His, (laughs) quote, hacker didn't tweet anything. But his, quote, hacker did forget that people can see the tweets you like. Yes. Oh. And he liked a little porn video. Just a little bit of porn. At 1 a.m. DC time. A little bit of porn. And quoted the Shaggy song. It wasn't me. Mm, pretty much. Not in the kitchen. He tried Nowhere it. else. He tried it. Yeah. Listen, if a hacker gets access to a senator's Twitter account, what are they going to do? Of course. Watch it's porn. Go on a liking like spree. <laughs> yes. It's positive. 2016, Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green. Uh-oh. Snapchats a photo mm. of his Draymond's. Yeah. <laughs> While he's with the U.S. Olympic team, and he initially said he'd been hacked, but he eventually said he'd made it up after he'd, quote unquote, hit the wrong button. Hmm. No one is even pretending that this excuse is real anymore. And I think I've worked out why we're all so cool with it. Oh, tell me. Number one, these are the times where basically you can get caught spinning falsehoods and shameless alternative facts, and it doesn't take people down the way it used to. Brian Williams, you should have tried that stuff this year. You'd have been fine. Like, yeah, my entire body got hacked on air when I said (laughs) that I was in the helicopter. It was an in-person body hack. We are in the age of Teflon. This is it. Nothing sticks. Mm. But I also think that we do it too. (gasps) We are guilty of this kind of low-level deception every day. Emmanuel, Jamidra, Mm. how many times... I feel judged. Wait a minute. Have you told someone, sorry, I just saw this? When they texted and you couldn't be bothered to respond. How many times have you said, your text only just came through? That's weird. Well, here's the thing. 
I see the preview and all, I, don't, I don't open. I don't have time to open the preview all the time. I have seen the amount of Instagram direct messages you have. I, it's, it's, it's in the hundreds I now. Can, right now, it's, it's probably over the hundreds at this point. I have a lot of unread messages. But I have a friend who keeps his receipts on just to keep himself accountable. Ah, That's huh. too much pressure. I, like yeah, that. I can't. That stresses me out. Yeah. You have a great excuse, too, where if you don't respond to me in a timely manner, I'm like, she has three children. <laughs> I'm going to give her her time and space. Me, on the other hand, zero children. I used to say things like, just seeing this now, like four days later. Now I don't say that anymore. And I just say, sorry, because no one buys that anymore. terrible human. Just like the hacking excuse, this one's tired and everyone knows that you're full of it. So just come clean. So maybe when we swallow these kind of falsehoods, well, kind of knowing that they're trash, are we all just recognizing that in the same position with their money, we'd probably do exactly the same thing? It's the peak and the pick. Hey, the peak and the pick. Hey. And now for the peak and the pit. We've all learned this week that the Grande Davidson engagement is no more. Oh, we hardly Hallelujah. And if you don't know, it, I'm talking about the news that Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson have reportedly split after their five-month whirlwind romance. Was it five months, Emmanuel? Maybe four and a half. Love's okay. dead. Life is a lie. So this week I'm going to dedicate my pit to heartbreak. Mm. And not just any heartbreak, but public and predicted heartbreak. <laughs> right. Because, as Emmanuel will know, Many of uh, Ariana fans were not a fan of this relationship. They were not. They did not like him. I do not stand. They were not afraid to tell her and him so. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't at them, but I told everyone around me. You did. Word got out. And let me tell you, there are a few things worse than having to live in heartbreak layered with a healthy helping of I told you so. Should have thought twice before inviting all the paparazzi along everywhere you went. Mm, Just saying. But I'm just dressed so great. But here we we just talked about music and empathy. Let's empathize. We've all been there. (laughs) I forgot all we learned. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. We've all dated someone that our friends were like, that's not a good look. Mm. Mom was like, what are you doing? Brothers and sisters were like, Loki, you can do better. Mm -hmm. But still, she persisted. And not in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a Elizabeth Warren on the the traditionally good way that (laughs) phrase is associated with. Let's break down a few lessons that we've learned from this Davidson Grande, or should I say Grande Davidson? That Grande is the Davidson, yes. Yeah, yeah. Way. Grande and that guy. Yeah. And it sounds like a badass legal firm. Oh, it does, right? <laughs> You're being represented by Grande Davidson. <laughs> You've just lost all your money. <laughs> so, number one, maybe mm, keep the boot thing off social media mm. until mm. you know the relationship is going to last longer than a few months. Listen, dignity and discretion never hurt anyone. That's what I'll say. And I'll say that as someone who performs nothing compares to you at karaoke. Mm. Yeah. Uh, try not to date people who joke about trapping you in pr- with pregnancy. Yeah, that Ew. was... Well, he made that joke, right, on yeah. SNL about swapping out her birth control. Yeah. Re- re- Tic Tacs. Referred to Emmanuel's pit last week. Mm. And you'll know what we're talking about. I was right. Mm. I like how we are our own appendix. Yeah. Our own Cliff's Notes. It's great. Also, refrain from dedicating sappy love songs to anyone that you haven't been with for longer than, what, mm. six months to a year? I would yeah. say never. I'm ta- And if you don't know, I'm talking about that Pete Davidson song. It's literally called Pete Davidson. Literally. And it used to be called Pete, but she had to go the extra mile because she was like, this is going to last extra. literally a month later. Who's going to delete it or rename it from their iTunes? It's been off my iTunes forever, uh-huh. so I don't have this problem. She could have pretended that it was another Pete. Like Burns, maybe. <laughs> and why bother? It's like a minute long. She just wanted to show like, I love you. And he's like, hey, you're so hot. I'm going to talk about you on SNL, huh? 
It's practically an Instagram video, but I digress. And number four, and perhaps the most important lesson that all of us can learn here, make sure that your critical thinking cap is on tight when you date someone who exhibits big dick energy. BDE. Uh-huh. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I need you to refer to a piece by Allison P. Davis. Uh-huh. The treaties of our times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She published in the cut called, You Know He Got Big Dick Energy. Just read that. Keep yourself safe. So this week, as I said, I'm going to dedicate my pit to Ariana and anybody who is going through a public breakup this week. Treat yourself uh, to Haagen-Dazs. Mm, be kind. Sulk for at least one week. Binge on Netflix. Maybe two, three binge sessions, depending on how bad the heartbreak is. Mm-hmm. Got to do what you got to do. And then when that week is over, you dig yourself out of this pit. You slick back that ponytail. Oh, yes. Always. You yank it high. Yank it hard and high and get back to being fierce. Now on to my peak. And this week, my peak goes to the Cherokee Nation. Oh. Mm. The Cherokee Nation, Jay, you might ask. Why are you giving a peek to the Cherokee Nation? Well, there are plenty of reasons, but one in particular. So as we all know, this week, Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts, came out and released her DNA, the results confirming her Native American ancestry. Now, we learned that she does have Native American ancestry, Mm -hmm. a very small percentage. We're talking about like nine generations ago, somebody from her family tree shook hands with a Native American. So very small portion. However... Warren released this information because for, was it years now, President Trump has mocked Mm -hmm. her claim that she has Native American ancestry. You're very, very special people. You were here long before any of us were here, although we have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Pocahontas. Disgusting. Yeah, that was President Trump at a ceremony to honor Navajo veterans. He thought it'd be fun to pull up. Senator Warren. Crack open the gags. Yeah. And then this soundbite is perhaps the one that everyone is talking about this week. A while back, President Trump issued this challenge. And we will say, I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity, paid for by Trump, if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian, you know. And let's see what she does, right? Shows you're an Indian? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And of course, now Trump has backed away from the statement and there's no indication that he's going to make good on donating a million dollars to charity. It's 2018. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he, he was hacked. Perhaps his body was hacked. So in the aftermath of Senator Warren releasing these results, I think all of us have gotten so caught up in like the he say she said and she proved him wrong or he said this thing that we're forgetting a very real point here. Native Americans First Nations people, Cherokee Nation are real people. They're mm. not like some mythical people that you can just use in your political strategy. Invoke them. Yeah. And to emphasize that point, today, the Cherokee Nation released a statement in which they said, What you're not going to do. What you're not going to do is. <laughs> that was the gist, right? <laughs> that was the gist. Basically, they said a DNA test is useless to determine tribal citizenship. Using DNA tests to lay claim to any connection to the Cherokee Nation or any tribal nation, even vaguely, is inappropriate and wrong. They also said this political stunt is dishonoring to legitimate tribal governments and their citizens whose ancestors are well-documented. And Senator Warren is undermining tribal interests with her continued claims of tribal heritage. I got so much joy from this statement because I feel like everyone including us, Senator Warren, President Trump, everybody needed their wig pulled this mm. week. I feel like <laughs> that, that's the takeaway. Everyone's We trash. all needed our, our wig pulled. 
And here's the thing. I respect Senator Warren to the utmost. She spent a great deal of her career fighting for consumer protections. And a lot of people believe that she may be the first woman president. Oh, we've been down this road before. But on today, in this wide, woke world, all of us are going to make mistakes. We're going to step in it from time to time. Some of us are going to make more mistakes than others, but we got to pick ourselves up, gather ourselves together. Maybe the Cherokee Nation will come gather ourselves for us. <laughs> and then we rejoin the circles. So as I said, this week, my peak of the week goes to the Cherokee Nation for gathering us, Senator Warren, and everybody involved, and basically letting us know in an official statement, quote, what you ain't going to do today mm-hmm. is dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Emmanuel Carley. Yes. Who's ready for the song of the week? Oh, me. Yes. So ready. Unlike a couple of weeks ago, I will not troll you with a song that you do not want to listen to. But I will give you one that you will actually enjoy. I don't fall for it, Emmanuel. She's going to rickroll us. <laughs> she is. It's going to be Gautier, someone that I used to know again. Yeah. And we're going to have to deal with that. I can't take the heartbreak of believing you and then having you pull the rug from under me again. Well, I am here to redeem myself with a track from my favorite Fifth Harmony member. And I am not talking about Camilla Canono. Never, ever. (laughs) She's racist, documented through her DMs. Yeah. Forever. So so when most people think about Fifth Harmony, they think about Camilla. But today we're not talking about her because this song features my favorite member, Normani Hamilton. So she partnered with a singer named Khalid to produce a song called Love Lies. And now Mm. this, my friends, is a mellow kind of song that makes you want to go on like a Savage Fenty shopping spree Mm. and then make inappropriate FaceTime calls because it's just that kind of song. So... Maybe do that. But remember what we told you about the BDE before you get in there? Right. Yeah. And just listen to this song. Listeners, you love us, right? Please say you do. On iTunes with a five-star rating and a review. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs and David Marcus. And also thanks to Emmanuel for all the hard work he does behind the scenes and Ashley Ann Craigbaum. Hey. If you miss us in the next week, you can find us on social media. I'm at Excuse My Beauty. I'm at Teacup in the Bay on all relevant platforms. And you can find me at Jamidra Says. Bye. Bye. If you're done, 